Welcome to the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Joe and Ron are self-proclaimed teacher nerds geeking out on all things education. They are looking to move educational practices out of the 1900s factory worker model to a student-driven classroom full of empathetic, creative, and collaborative students willing to take risks. Join them as they chat with educators from around the world, discussing educational tools, techniques, ideas, policies, and much more. Thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. And now a word from a sponsor. Oh, have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam, trying to take the teaching from one level to the next, reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teaching nudes. Start the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. I'm Ron Nower. I'm Joe DiPaolo. I'm a technology teacher for third grade to eighth grade. And I teach third grade. And today we have with us Kelly Ojeda from Project Invent. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, we're so glad that you uh, you were able to join us. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's It's a fun time as we're wrapping up the school year to kind of have fun conversations and just reflect. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I think that's it. Like reflect and kind of think about things that maybe you can start to think about for next year or, you know, down the road. So uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into it. We're, we're going to start with our icebreaker, our two yes more, one no way. And today we're doing beverages. Could be any kind of beverage, adult beverage, hot beverage, whatever you want. It's time for... Two, yes, more, one, no way. Joe, you're going to start us off. Ron, I'll start us. And, and my two yeses are going to focus around adult beverages. And I'm going to start with my, my first type of adult beverage that I actually really enjoyed, um, a black and tan. And, I, and I, I've been, I was drinking beers for a while before I came across the black and tan. And I really didn't enjoy beer. You know, now I was drinking that low level beer. Um, and I came across the black and tan and it wasn't, it, it was an actual, it was bass ale and Guinness stout and they mixed it together and it was spot on. I was like, man, this is really good. And that's actually kind of what got me into drinking Guinness. Um, so my, my one yes is going to be the black and tan with Guinness and, um, bass. My second is going to be uh, a, a local brewery, Ron spellbound. Yeah. And I'm going to go with their, uh, the Porter that they had. Porter in a can. They sell it in a, the four pack. Is this? Is it the Palo Alto? It's aged in a in a special barrel. It's got almost like a whiskey kind of flavor to it. Seven percent alcohol, I believe. And uh, man, they're delicious. And what your neighbor is? Uh, my neighbor the is. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. And so I'll you get free. Well, which I, is why it's your favorite. <laughs> I try. No, 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 no. I, I. You know what? It's funny because I was drinking it for a while, and then he moved in, and and I and and we started talking, and he's like, "Yeah, da da," and it came. I'm like, "Get that!" And then, you know, I'm like, "That's my favorite type of beer." So <laughs> when I did snow blow for him and everyone else on the street, the next day I did have 40 beers sitting on my front porch. So 
That's amazing. Yeah. I told him, I said, listen, I got a really nice lawnmower. I'll mow your yard too. Like <laughs> this could work out. I got a son. He'll come and rake leaves, <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> work for beer. <laughs> so my, my one no um, and this could kind of go with adult beverages as well, but this is pretty much anything like, you know, the zero sugar or the no sugar or the light beers. I don't want it. Like I like vitamin water. I don't like vitamin water, no sugar. I like Gatorade. I don't like the sugarless ga- Gatorade. When it comes to gum, I want sugar in my gum and my coffee. Like I don't No <laughs> sugar. Like the sugar. Yeah, no sugar, no good. So <laughs> all right. Kelly. Kelly. That's here you go. <laughs> Man, this is, I think I'll stay with the the theme. Um, So a yes to, uh, I'm more on the lighter beer or like the more weedy beers, not necessarily like uh, locale. And I live actually on an island right outside of Houston called Galveston. And so we have Galveston Island Brewery and we have this really great, uh, just kind of standard beer called Tiki Wheat. And it's at every restaurant and it's just kind of the, the beer you order here. So Tiki wheat's awesome. Um, is it, so a hop- that's, is it hoppy? No, I want to, it reminds, Oh, I'm such, I'm not like a really good beer person. So I don't want to like butcher the description, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a, um, I want to, I want to remind you of blue moon, just kind of like yeah. a easy drinking kind of beady beer. Maybe. Okay. No, you're yeah. That's that, that wheat. Wheat yeah. doesn't have the uh, bitter as much bitterness. Right. So, exactly. Okay. So we really not drinkable. the hop. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And then I think I also love a drink called the Paloma it, or a, a Paloma. It's a, it's kind of like a spin on a margarita. It's tequila and grapefruit soda. So it's like a mm. grapefruit version of a margarita. Um, that's been my go-to lately. And my no is definitely going to be um, like any like energy drink, like a rock star, oh. Like I just judge people when they drink those. I'm like, <laughs> you're not good. You're not good. Sorry if either of you do. <laughs> I'm not an energy drink fan. I'm gonna hide my monsters. I'm oh, sorry. You know, I'm sure you're a great person, Ron. I don't know why they give me the heebie-jeebies. I'm just like, like that can't be right. That can't be good. <laughs> you know, I've drunk. Uh, I've tried Red Bull because people say they taste like Smarties, <clears throat> but I can't. I can't not shake after I drink yeah. them. <clears throat> and I don't know why Red Bull doesn't freak me out as much. Maybe it's just been around longer, but like mm. the new ones, I think they're called like bang. And then the monsters, they just freak me out. They look like alien drinks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good no way. Yeah. I mean, you know. So I'm going to kind of stay with the theme for my, my first, you know, yes, more. One would be a, any kind of Belgian style wheat beer. Um, I, I, I like that too. I don't like the, the IPAs and the really hoppy, bitter type beers. I do like that sweeter, um, wheat style beer. Second is not alcoholic at all. A good milkshake, a good oh. chocolate milkshake. And I'm not talking about like a McDonald's or Burger King. I'm talking about like scoops of ice cream and milk in the blender. Like the real the, deal. Yeah, like Steel the uh, or whatever they serve it in. The yeah, real. What was the uh, Pulp Fiction? Five dollar shake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's that's okay. what I. Yeah, that kind of shake where it comes in the like you said, Joe, the metal metal container, and you can pour out some more yourself. So yeah, that. And then my one no way would have to be 
hot tea. Like <laughs> I, I have tried like liking hot tea and it is. Have you just, tried it with milk and sugar? Milk and sugar. My family is like <laughs> hot tea freaks. <laughs> I just can't get, I don't care if it's honey, lemon, milk, sugar, just hot tea just does not, not cut it for me. Kelly, Ron and I both grew up around in around the city of Philly. Like Ron grew up in Philly. We grew up yeah. outside. Um, Ron, so is my family. I wonder if that's a, a local I thing. I got, maybe it Interesting. is. Interesting. I mean, even they, they drink it over coffee. They do. My, my parents do not drink coffee. Yep. They're, they were tea drinkers their whole life. Oh, British. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my family is far from British. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it come there, from? There, there is no pinky pointing when they're drinking. It's more like <laughs> gulping it down. Yeah. So that's, that's, so that's, you know what? I'm looking into that and I didn't realize the wheat beers weren't the hoppy beers. Yeah. Man, yeah. Wheat. I think they're the not hoppy ones, which yep. I don't, I don't mind hoppy, but I wouldn't go for it. So I think, yeah, the wheat is a good description. Yeah. And if you can find like a, a Belgian style wheat, oof. Man, I'll, have to, I'll have to check out the spellbound menu. Yeah, yeah, they may have a Belgian wheat. Mow a lawn and get yeah, a right. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what I am going to try. What's that? A Pablo? No, what kind of drink? With Paloma. The- Paloma. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm actually, writing that down. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, you, I'm- you can make like an like kind of a, a easy one with the soda squirt. That's a grapefruit soda. Yeah, with tequila. Mm. Um, it's good. Kind of sounds like a just a refreshing kind of summer, summer. Exactly, kind of- it's refreshing and it's like you know who doesn't like a margarita, but it's like a little spin on one. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love tequila. Tequila is my favorite liquor for sure. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. We hope you enjoyed that segment of two yes mores, one no way. And now we're going to take a little break, but we'll be back in a moment. Are you and your students missing a class trip this year? Would you like to bring some animal fun into your classroom? Well, let Miss Amanda and Farm Friends LLC help you out. Farm Friends and her animals can pay a virtual visit to your classroom. They offer a variety of programs like story time with real animals or science and nature facts. Miss Amanda even has a program about loving kindness. With their virtual visits, it doesn't matter where you are. Miss Amanda and the animals can come, visit, educate, and most importantly, spread smiles. For more information, to book a program, or to help support them by donating to their Amazon wish list, visit farmfriendsllc.com. Be sure to follow them on social media at farmfriendsllc. Oh, and don't forget to visit their YouTube channel for Storytime Tuesdays. Remember, that's farmfriendsllc.com. And now back to the show. All right, let's I guess we'll jump in. Uh, I mean, when when we were contacted, you you all at Project Event contacted us and said, "Hey, we'd like to be a guest." And you know, I, I, we looked at the website, and for me, you know, going through the website, just some of the language that was on there, just it spoke to me. You know, like the word "empower" is on there over and over again, and you know, I, I think the I, I copied down two um, quotes from the website. One was, "Our goal is to create a generation of fearless." compassionate problem solvers like that should be every school's (laughs) goal like it should be everybody's mission statement and then the transforming classrooms from test taking to change making and i I think i put in our notes like yes 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 joe i mean i know you 
feel the same. Like, yeah, we've talked about it on multiple podcasts, almost the exact same thing, like word for word. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, it's funny you pulled those things out. Cause we actually just added compassionate to our mission statement. Mm. Um, it used to just be, our goal is to create a generation of fearless problem solvers, which is awesome in itself. But right. we recently added compassionate because, uh, and we'll talk more about this later, but a huge piece of our program is um, building empathy skills yeah. in students and, and having them think through the lens of compassion and, and how to do really great social impact and innovation projects. So it's funny you noticed that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it sounds like Ron's us- technology class. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I love. Yeah, that's what I love. So Kelly, tell us your um your journey, like how you got to working with Project Invent and you know everything that kind of led up to that. Yeah, definitely. So Project Invent in a nutshell is um an, we're a nonprofit organization. We have a program that gets high school students inventing technology for social good. Um, how I got to Project Invent is I actually started off as a sixth grade science teacher at Yes Prep Public Schools in Houston. It's a charter school network in Houston. And I did a little bit of teaching there. I also did some curriculum design. I, I ended up doing a lot of teacher coaching. Um, if anyone works at a charter school, you, some, a lot of times you end up doing a lot of different roles um, over the years. And then right before I left, I was kind of working at the administration level and I wanted to go back to the classroom. So I asked if I could teach this hybrid art, visual art and reading course because we were cutting our um, arts courses from our sixth grade Uh, grade level because they needed reading support. So I was like, well, why can't we do both? And so I got to kind of design my own uh, reading through the visual learning, reading comprehension through visual arts course is really fun and experimental. Um, And that's kind of what got me interested in design thinking, because I was doing a lot of work on how, how do you get students asking the right questions? And how do you get students really learning how to um, better have empathize with characters and skills? So that brought me to the world of design thinking. Um, Then after that, I actually had this really cool opportunity with my husband to move to Uganda to um, work for an education nonprofit there. And so we actually moved uh, to Uganda and I just went into a completely different world uh, of education over there and spent a few years um, just building kind of sustainable systems alongside the staff um, at a primary school there. So when I came back, I was like, okay, I have a lot of different directions here. I could go back to the classroom. I could teach art. I could teach reading. I could go back to STEM. There was just a lot of different choices, but I found this role at Project Invent and I thought it was just a perfect intersection of my passion for design thinking and also my, my content knowledge of STEM education. Um, and that's kind of what brought me here as the program director. And I've been doing that for the last almost two years. Wow, that's awesome! That's, <laughs> Lots I'm of like, turns. <laughs> wild ride. That's, I, I mean the the amount of knowledge and background that you bring is huge. It's been fun. I think it's it's. Have you ever watched the movie Slumdog Millionaire? 
think I saw, I mean, years ago, but yeah. I think Long I, story short, he's in a, he's in a show. Um, he's in a uh, Indian, ver, like a version in India of who wants to be a millionaire. Right. And he knows the question, the answer to every question, because he has this like random life experience that helped him know. And I always kind of like relate with that. Like sometimes I have like kind of a hodgepodge education experience, but it always ends up making sense. <laughs> like a, a challenge in front of me at all. I'm like, Oh, I have a little bit of context of this. Cause I randomly did this somewhere, got involved in this. So sometimes I, my journey mimics that movie. Now is your husband, a, a, an educator as well? He's not, he's actually, um, he works more on like nonprofit management side of things. So he's a big nonprofit guy. Oh, very cool. And is that what brought you to Uganda? Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we ended up we were donors for an organization uh, for many years, and they were looking for mainly someone on the education side. And he, I was like, I'm a package deal, so <laughs> they were able to find some things he could do as well. He's awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So cool. So cool. So, can you give us a little background, like how did Project Invent start, and you know, I guess yeah, the whole background of it. Yeah, absolutely. So Project Invent, our founder is Connie Liu. Um, she's she's amazing. She went to MIT for mechanical engineering. And while she was there, she worked on this project called Finger Reader, which was a wearable technology to help people with visual impairments have more independence with reading. Um, and it was this just amazing opportunity where she got to practice design and engineering and, and really learned how you can make change through technology. And she asked herself, like, why is it that I didn't get this experience until I got to MIT? This is something that's not a hard experience to offer, but I didn't get it till I was in college at a school like MIT. And it's it's making me learn so many things about myself, not just as an engineer, but as a person and as a change maker. So from that, she developed the curriculum for Project Invent. And she piloted it at a school called Nueva, which is out um, in the Bay Area. They have a really awesome, it's a private school. They have like this really awesome innovation lab. And so she was like the innovation lab director, or maybe not director, maybe she was just a teacher there, but she was able to pilot the project invent curriculum for a course that was called Design and Engineering for Social Impact. And it just went over so well. And people were telling her, you know, this needs to be, a thing like this needs to be in all schools all over the place, not just private schools and not just in California. Like we need to get this out. So she formed Project Invent as a way to really just spread the curriculum and the support for teachers running it. So that's its origin story. And where it's at now is we have a teacher fellowship where we bring in teachers all over the United States where they learn the process. They go through the process that the students go through of invention and then they spend the year with their students as they invent a technology for social good. Um, and so that's what we do. And we have a whole team now that supports teachers and helps them make sure that they're on track for this big project that's going on and just getting all the resources they need to really carry this out. Because it's a lot of different things. It's design thinking, it's engineering, it's coding, it's entrepreneurship. I mean, it has a lot of layers, um, but we get teachers from all different subjects. So we have an art teacher, an English teacher, social studies teacher, and then obviously our STEM teachers as well. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And the did, it, did the deadline for the fellowship just end? <laughs> so it ends on Friday, but Friday. I will, I'll put this out here. 
if you hear about this on this podcast when it comes out in June and you're like, hold on, I need to hear this. You know, I need, I need to talk to someone about this. Please still reach out to us. We'll make sure that all the contact info that we get it to you guys, um, Joe and Ron, because for us, if, if you're a teacher that that's interested in running something like this, we want to talk to you. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to figure out how to plug in. And we can talk a little bit later about some other ways to plug into, especially if you're an elementary or middle school teacher. Yeah. The, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we're not going to leave you all out. <laughs> you know what? You you hit on it. It's It's the support, right? Because, you know, Ron and I have been doing this and and we feel our biggest support is from people who are hundreds if not thousands of miles away and and not that to say we don't have great teachers that we work with but this type of teaching right is so i mean i don't know is it cutting edge it's been around for a couple years right so i don't want to say maybe it's cutting edge but the fact that it's new it's 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 preparing kids for that future that could have jobs that are this way or could have jobs that are that way. Who knows what this future is going to hold? So yeah, that support system and to try something new and, and to not know if it's going to work or, you know, what not to have people to talk to that have been through it. That's actually really interesting. You said that it's, it's funny because I think you're right. I think that this, this type of learning is not necessarily new, but what we find is the teachers that come to our fellowship always say a very similar thing. They say, I feel like I'm an island at my school because I want to do this type of work. So I don't know there. I don't have research on this. I don't have any data to back this up, but I know that we usually get a collection of teachers that are very much like the technology teacher at their school, the engineering teacher at their school that want to provide this really rich, real-world, project-based learning experience for their students. And it's not that they don't have a lot of support, but they're usually the only ones running something like this or trying to do that. And so the fellowship is really helpful to bring them all in so that they can meet other people that are doing the same thing and kind of feel like they're islands at their school as well and, and have that support. And so what we do in the fellowship is we kind of Think of it as like a boot camp for project-based learning for teachers, because what you're doing is you're taking students through a very in-depth project-based learning experience through the whole school year. But while you're doing that, you're growing your teacher practices and your practice. And we have six we really focus on, Um, like, for example, making failure okay that does not come natural to us as educators. And it's really hard to watch your kids fail. So we spend a lot of time in the fellowship having conversations with each other's as with each other as professionals. Like, how does this look practically? Like, how do I literally let my kids fail? And how do I frame this for them so that they don't see that as the worst thing ever? We talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about being a co-learner because one of the pieces of Project Inman is actually making a product using an Arduino. Some people use Raspberry Pi. Some people use um, Microbit. If you have no idea what those are and you're listening, don't worry. You can still do Project Invent. Most people come with no knowledge of that. But we we teach the teachers how to um, kind of just get at least exposed to how to use those microprocessors, but they need to know that they're not going to be the experts on it. Like they need to be a co-learner with their students. When the students start messing around with Arduino and they're like, miss, how do I do this? They don't need to get nervous and say, oh, I have to have the answers. 
a big part of project-based learning is being a co-learner and saying, I don't know. I just learned it myself. Let's go to Mr. Google and let's see how we can figure this out and, and model for them. You know, this is what I do when I don't know how to do something. I don't give up and I don't disqualify myself. I go and try to find the resources. So that's another big thing. So that's just two of the practices we work on in the actual teacher side of the fellowship. Because um, a lot of people, they they need to learn that in community with other people. I think that's so important, like you saying, because at, me as a technology teacher, I mean, with what I teach, I teach third grade to eighth grade, and I am the technology teacher. So I try and introduce kids to coding, engineering, and 3D printing, audio and video editing, a little bit of graphic design. So I'm not an expert in any of those. Right. My, my bachelor's degree is in anthropology. I worked as an archaeologist. I run a dog training business with my wife and I'm a teacher. That's amazing. Nowhere in there is engineering, <laughs> coding, you know, audio, video editing, but that's it. Like you, you kind of throw yourself in and just say like, Hey, look, we're learning this together. And I, I tell the kids all the time, I am not the smartest person in this room or in my class right? Together, we're a whole lot smarter than any of us individually. So yeah, if we don't know it, we'll figure it out. And, and that's it, teaching them how to learn. Exactly. Huge. I think it's better. I think if you were an expert coding teacher or an ex, you know, you were coming as an engine software engineer, I think that's great. I think there's a lot that expertise can offer, but I almost think coming in and saying, let's learn this together and putting yourself more in the position of being a facilitator of learning versus filling up brains as vessels. I mean, I think we all know that that's the direction education is going and that's really important for them to learn. Like you said, how to learn. Well, they get to see, Hey, like he's the teacher. He doesn't get it. So maybe it's okay if I don't get it or if I don't, or if I don't get it yet, you know, like exactly we'll get it. But right now I, I, I don't know. And, and that's, I can't tell you how many times I've said that in the classroom, like not only just this year, but like, I don't know. And it's okay not to know. And, and I almost, as a third grade teacher, you know, I try and do all that, but weave it in through language arts and science and social studies. And, you know, it's, it's hard, but when we have these podcasts and we talk to people, like the idea starts sparking and then it's, and it, and it turns to be, you know, those, that cutting edge class where it's okay to fail, you know, like, yeah, maybe we don't want you to fail in math tests, but if you do, it's okay. Cause we'll let you take it again. But like to have a, a project right. to work on that opportunity to fail and it not work and then say, okay, well, what didn't work? Totally showing, I think also showing different examples of failure, right? Cause I think kids think failing is failing a math test. And there's so many different, like, examples of failure. And I think that that helps broaden their mind that it's not always a bad thing. And so in Project Invent, students are building a, a physical technology. They have to iterate and do that at least three or four, maybe five times to get it right. And so building a prototype and then watching it to see if it works um, and then it not working, you know, Technically, by definition, it failed. But what can you learn from that for the next thing? And um, I can give an example of some some of these projects so that maybe listeners can kind of wrap their head around like, what is this thing they're making? So 
the thing that makes us really different from just like a robotics club, which those are great. They have their, they're, they're really awesome. They engage kids in an awesome way. But what makes us different is we actually have students pair with a real community partner. So someone in their community or now virtually in the global community, but someone that has a, what we like to call a unique challenge. So this could be a different ability. It could be a different learning ability. It could be a parent. It could be a firefighter, a city council person. It's just someone that's giving the students an authentic, real challenge to investigate. From there, the students do a ton of interviews and empathy, and they even like will immerse themselves in the challenge themselves. And from there, they, they ideate different concepts that could address that challenge based in the research they got from the community partner. They go back to the community partner and say, hey, we think this is a great solution. What do you think? Sometimes the community partners, this has happened before, say, I don't like it. (laughs) And so they have to go back to the drawing board, which is great for them to learn that. Um, By mid-year, like December, they've decided the concept they're going to build. And they spend the whole spring learning all that stuff you teach, Ron, like learning about 3D printing, learning about coding, learning about the microprocessors. And they make that idea a reality, which we think makes us different, too, because a lot of um, engineering clubs or design thinking clubs, they end at the concept. But they take it all the way to the finished product and then they pitch it to investors at Demo Day at the end of the year for funding. Um, And I was getting onto that because I wanted to share some examples. So an example of of just pitched this year, one is called Mind Reader, which comes from the Best Buy Teen Tech Center out of Gold Crown, Colorado. And they created this really awesome automatic bat swinger for students that have different abilities so that they can still play baseball during physical education and PE. So they, they go up to the, to the, product, the piece of technology, and it has an automatic swing. So it can, it can pitch for them or not pitch hit for them. And then they can continue with the game. It, they're also putting, um, they're thinking how it can also help with fishing. So like casting, Hmm. casting a line for fishing. So they, their community partner was an adaptive physical education club for students that have different abilities. So that was their product. And then another one I really liked was called Benny bags out of Um, Anchorage, Alaska. We had a team in Alaska from Benny Benson High School. Um, They have a lot of students in the foster care system at their school. And one of the biggest issues was that the foster um, students in the foster care system, they feel like their belongings aren't protected because they're moving. They're very transient. They're moving from place to place. So they invented this smart duffel bag that has Um, a lock and a tracking device and also a way to just keep the belongings safe. Um, And they called it the Benny bag. So they used the insights from their partner to design a product to help address that challenge. Wow. That's awesome. This is really cool. Yeah. So, so it it is a, that's the cool thing. It's a year long process, uh, an entire school year. And I love that because for me, like I'm a specials teacher when it, when it comes. So like, at best, I get students for about 45 days. And yeah. the thing I, I find the most difficult, and I, I would say the most frustrating is that point where you're, you want them to iterate, but it winds up, you, you almost don't have time to iterate yeah. because, you know, the, the marking period's over or, or whatever. So that, you know, this program is giving them an entire year. There, there is a little bit of that pressure off to 
push things along. It's it's almost like you allow things to occur naturally in the process. Exactly. Um, which With is- key milestones to like get right. them there. But um, our teams, Project Invent, our recommendation is two hours a week for the school year. And we, we really believe and have seen that you can get through a really authentic, real end-to-end project in that time. That I mean, but that's a, that's a big ask, I think, for a teacher to do a project for a whole year. And I yeah. I know that you a lot of times our teachers have to make a lot of rationale for that and weave it into their unit in very, you know, funny ways. But I, I feel like whenever we show principals or, you know, um, deans of instruction or who's ever kind of dictating what, what teachers need to teach, which that's a whole other conversation, but um, <laughs> show them the end products. It usually wins people over like, okay, I want to see our kids making something like that. So to do what you need to do. We just, we talked about on one of our other podcasts, uh, having that uh, edu permaculture, right, Ron? Like you need yeah. that administrative support to be able to, to, to have the time to, to pull it off for two hours a week. Um, over yeah. the whole course of the year, but think about all the reading, all the the standards you could hit, and with the the reiteration, doing it in third grade, no one ever wants to do it over. They want to be, you know, put the final approval on it. <laughs> so to have this happen, you know, at a young age, to to be like, no, it's okay. You know, this is part of the process yeah. to get them used to doing it. Um, I do. I, writing, I right. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to revise their writing. They want to hand it in and be done with it. Yep. Totally. You know. Totally. I, I've actually never really thought about how great Project Event teaches the value of iteration because yeah. the reason they iterate is they have to go back to the community partner several times to get feedback, and they have to be resilient <laughs> because yeah. it's and, and and the reason the students usually handle it okay is because it's not for for the students. It's not for a grade it's for a person they care about, someone that they've built a relationship with. So they want to get it right. And they want, they have the resilience to go back and make it better because they want this person to really be able to use the product. Um, and that I think teaches a little bit of some resilience and also understanding we, we're not going to get it right the first time. We should always implement feedback. And you have a, compa- I mean, I, I think the the compassion aspect that, that you, you, know, you mentioned in the beginning, but if if there's nothing we've learned over like the past year and a half is compassion like there has to be yeah. compassion and it has to be something that we're looking forward with in the world right because you know when we're looking at yeah we're getting over covid here in the US and then we see India right is you know like there has to be that compassion where there may have in the past been this, well, I got to take care of me first mentality. I, I think that, you know, having that and, and allowing students to view that compassion and see that compassion in little projects that they do, is just going to make the world a better place. That's our hope. That's our vision is. And it, I think it's like the first step then. I think sometimes kids will see problems in the world and they think I'm too small Or I'm too insignificant to make that change. And if anything, at Project Invent, if they become engineers, amazing, great. If they invent something that gets a patent, we have one patent, one team has gotten a patent in our our history, and we have a few coming out, great. Those are cool things. But the biggest thing we care about is that students saw that they could make 
an impact and, a, and change through, through themselves, through them just dedicating themselves to this process. So mainly in that, that's where the word empowerment matters most to us. And how long, I, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned, like when did Project Invent start? That's a great question. I, I think we are, we technically say we're in our official third year. So we're oh, wow. young. So three, um, three years, one patent. That's not bad. I know, I know. And I, I can share a little bit about what happens after Project Invent too. So after students go through the whole process and they pitch at Demo Day, which we just finished our last Demo Day on Sunday. If you want to go back and watch it, it's demoday.projectinvent.org, but we'll we'll add it in so you guys can yeah, put, it put it in the notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so after that, students have an opt-in to do the year two program, which is Accelerate. So Accelerate is a program where we match them with an industry mentor and we walk them through the milestones of what it's what it takes to get a product to market. So they learn how to make a business model. They learn how to do um, a second like higher fidelity prototype, one that's a bit more market ready. And they also learn about intellectual property and patenting. And, and we um, show them how like the different legal services they would need. I mean, it blows their mind because they're like, I had no idea. You had to do this, you know, to protect your intellectual property. But um, we we even have um, pro bono um, IP lawyers that are willing to work with our students to help them get that filed. And so I, I know you mentioned like partners who I, I saw on the website, you have a, a boatload of partners. Who are some of the industry partners that you guys have? Yeah, we have a great relationship with Google. Google loves what we're doing. They see it as an investment in their future workforce, which I think is spot on. (laughs) Um, We worked with Atlassian, which is another software company. They made Trello, if you've ever heard of Trello um, and Jira. And we also, we've done a little work with Adobe. And then we have also brought in people from Stanford Business School um, because we have a good connection with them. And they really have such an insight onto the business side of things. And I'm just trying to think. You have connection with the D school at Stanford? And, and D school, yes. We we we're, we would say we're friends. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we implement their work and like we're friends. We're in the ecosystem. You know, what, what we really are able to do is set up experiences for students. So students have got to, in the past, go to IDEO and get you know, a design thinking um, session from there. Oh, we also have a, a pretty good relationship with Ford Innovation. Um, cool. So we, we're always like trying to churn away ways where we can get, get students with these like real life in- industry experiences. And that year too, is that them without, the te- without a teacher? Yep. So that they have to opt in and sign an agreement, which we all know that that means nothing, but it's marking the moment. <laughs> um, sign agreement, you know, and so they're doing it on their own. Um, and that and that's by design, because if, if you want to take a product to market, you've got to have an intrinsic motivation to do that. And, and we don't see it as a failure if the students don't move on to year two. Year two is for the students that really want to see that product on a shelf one day. And and some of them are like, this was awesome. I loved this experience. I'm going to college now. I'm going to move on. Um, and But some of them really do want to see their product on a shelf one day and that to see it help people on a wider scale. So that's what that pro, pro, uh, second year program is for. That's awesome. So does, the, the, does the first year program typically happen for 
like seniors in high school? Because you were mentioned second year, I want, I'm going to go to college. Is it usually mm-hmm. a senior? No, it just depends. We the, the the program, we have it designed for ninth through 12th, and it's a combination. But I'd love to, if y'all don't mind, I'd love to share what to do if you're not in high school because I yes, or a high school teacher. <laughs> please, as a third grade teacher, yes, <laughs> I so, want to hear it. So the reason why our program currently is just focused on high school is the the um, the coding level and the microprocessor we use is it's industry level. So we we find high school is a really it's a better access point for that type of learning. But there's so many great student friendly like coding platforms. Ron, I'm sure you know a ton of them, and also student friendly like microprocessors to to build physical technology like Microbit. Yep. Huge fan, makey makey. There's so many things. So we have a free curriculum. Um, it's on our website. I'll make sure it gets in the show notes and it's open source. It's the curriculum we teach in our fellowship. It's nothing different. And it is a hundred percent able to be adapted for, for younger ages. There's nothing in the curriculum that couldn't be done in a third grade classroom. So that's one way. We also partner with the Infosys Foundation Pathfinders Institute very long worded thing, but this is a cool opportunity. They offer training twice a year in the summer and then in the winter for public school educators. Um, And we're a service provider. So we always run our training and we do it twice a year. I'm going to say it's a free training kind of, because I don't want to say that. And people say, go to sign up for, and they're like, wait, usually you have to make like a donor's choose to fund you. Cause usually you travel out for this training, you'll make a donor's choose, but then it like gets funded, wink, wink, um, by the foundation. So Mm. we call it a free training. And that is for all grade levels, elementary and middle. They just closed the registration for our summer one. I saw that. (laughs) But the winter one, I think is going to be in person next year, fingers crossed, which makes it just so much more fun. Um, So I'll make sure to at least there's the website so that people can sign up for alerts for the winter one. I think I saw, is that like in Rhode Island or something? Yeah, the winter one. I think they they do change it every year, but I do think they wanted to consistently um, do it in Providence. We did it in Providence right before COVID hit and it was so much fun. And we have kindergarten through eighth, like through eighth grade teachers, even high, high school teachers there, but it's everybody. And we have a training that fits everybody's needs. Is it a weekend or a week? It's a week. You, you get off work. You you prep that sub. I think it's four days, but probably another day for travel. So it's a work week. Mm. But um, usually you get everything covered, like your food, your lodging. So it's a fun. It's a really cool. And there are other um, there are other service providers. I'm obviously going to push Project Invent, but Chivitronics is there. Um, usually, who else is usually there? Code.org. It's all focused mostly on computer science and technology to help promote that because Infosys is a software company. That's pretty awesome. Is there any one project that you've seen over the years that, you know, kind of is just you have a soft spot for or? um, Oh, man. It's like picking one of my favorite children. Yeah, right. Exactly. What comes to mind as soon as you say that? I guess that's a good pulse check. There's another one that I, I really, really like because um, I just find it to be 
so like thoughtful and, and user-centered, but um, we had a team actually from Houston, maybe that's why I have a, a soft spot, <laughs> who made a product called Bearable because through all of this um, virtual learning and just the stress of the pandemic, they noticed that sleep deprivation in their, their peers was just a terrible issue, um, like just not getting enough sleep and just being super unhealthy with lack of sleep. So they invented this smart teddy bear that um, has all these different really cool features, like releases a scent and has like a pulse of a heart or something. It had just all these different features that they built based on feedback from their peers of like, what would you want? And they're really trying to like normalize teddy bears for teenagers. Like, come on guys, this brought us so much comfort when we were younger. Why can't we bring that back to being a teen and not making it weird? And I just think, I think what I find is so great about that project is they they implemented feedback from their peers and they designed it based on what their peers said they needed. And I always just, that blows my mind. The other thing I just want to say is all of our students that presented this year, they, for the most part, they all invented a product virtually, which I just, wow, it blows my mind. Yeah, That's very, yeah. very difficult. They either had a prototype and passed it around to one another, or they got on this website called Tinkercad, where they coded and wired and did everything virtually collaboratively together. And that just blows my mind how how they did that. Um, It just really impresses me. Yeah. School allowed me to bring a 3D printer home. So my seventh grade does an engineering assistive device assignment. That's their project. Oh, cool. So yeah, I'm, I live in town where I teach. So I'll print, I'll be driving to people's houses, dropping off prototypes, you know, for different students. And then I'll be dropping some off at school because there are some. That's amazing. Ron, that's exactly like, that's like what project event teachers had to do this year. And I'm just, it just, it warms my heart, the dedication. It's insane. But Kelly, like you talked about it, the the excitement now, you know, especially when you get them early on and yeah. they, they get so like, and the devices that some of these kids have created, it's, it's mind blowing. It and really is. The fact that things are working. Exactly. Like it, it's not just like a sketch, which I yeah. think it's so cool. Like if design thinking projects, a lot of times mm-hmm. they end up in a poster, mm-hmm. you know, that's cool. And I don't want to like bash that. Sometimes that's what, what they're able to make. Right. But going from a sketch to like, Ron, what you brought your students, which is something they can hold in their hand, it really unlocks something in students. And I, I wonder if we all, when we were students, if we would have had a creation or an invention experience, what we would have believed about ourselves now, yeah. you know, what would we have thought we could do if you had that in third grade, you had this experience where you made an idea a reality. We ne- we never had any of those experiences when I was going through school. And and I tell kind of parents at back to school night, I want to make sure your kids don't have a don't have an experience like I did. Yeah. Because I, I hated I hated school through high school. And it and it just not that I didn't have good teachers, but the sure. way but the way information was pushed, it's just so different now. Yeah. Because it's, you know, who cares what you know? What do you what are you gonna do with it? It's all about that. What are you going to do with it and making it relevant in real world, which I know there are some standards 
We just do need but, to like. But I'll tell you, we yeah. you, we we can hit the standards. You you yeah. can hit the standards and still do project based learning. Well, yeah. I, I I was going to say the right thing. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. The right thing. But, project based but, learning. <laughs> yes, pro, you know, getting getting real life experience in there. Um, yeah. which is going to prepare them for the future to do everything remotely. Now, what kind of skill would that be to put on a resume? Exactly. You know, like I can teleconference or telecommunicate. I can get things done and I don't even have to be there. You don't need yeah. a building. Don't, don't waste money on rent for a building. I can design an assistive technology and send it to my teacher, Mr. Ron, and he right. can print it for me and it's done. You don't, I don't even need to be there. Right. And I mean, just think about, you know, I even think about, you know, you're talking about project and invent, like how people sometimes have to try and weave it into the curriculum. You're reading, you're speaking and listening. Yeah. You are doing math. If you're coding, you are doing math. Oh, yes. You are doing analytical thinking and mathematical thinking, right? You're If you're... 3D printing, you are doing math. You're measuring yeah, geometry. Small, yeah. You know, all of that. And, you know, it, it reminds me like Joe and I are at the end of our emails. We have a, a quote by John Dewey, which is if we teach today's students as we taught yesterday, we rob them of tomorrow. Right? Like if, if we teach them how we were taught, it, it's we're robbing them for what they could be doing. Yep. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask is Project Invent. I, I know there are some programs in some of the high schools where if you want to get into this like engineering style program, you have to test into it. You have to, you know, right. have a certain GPA before you get in. Is is that no way? Not us. Right. <laughs> and, and Same with that. our teachers too. We we really want to make it clear that like because what we don't want is we don't want just all the kids who succeed on the robotics team to just do project invent. We want kids that don't see themselves on the robotics team. And one thing I'll say, we do have data on this. We have we attract more uh, girls into our program because of the and. Our, this is our theory. We're still testing this out. Um, it's something we're trying to research more. But because there's that deep empathy piece and the uh -huh. social impact piece, we we find we have a lot more girls getting involved in technology through our program. So that I think is a really cool um, versus robotics. A lot a lot of times I feel like I've bashed robotics. If you're a robotics teacher, <laughs> I was you. I love robotics. It's so cool. It's the it's so important. It teaches so many skills. But but my point is there's a it's very competition driven um, versus adding in that community partner piece and doing electronics and robotics and things like that for for a social impact cause can attract a different demographic of students is, is the point I'm making. And it's so important to get girls right into technology based fields, right. especially since there's such a shortage. But I think it's also important then to get boys into this program so they can be yes. a little more. And as, and as a boy who wasn't, or as a man who, who <laughs> just started to, to open up and deal with those feelings, like sure. you need, you need that. Cause everyone needs a skill of empathy and being definitely. able to have a connection with someone and, and learn about an experience that that's not your own. Like, I think it's, everyone benefits from that. 100%, 100%. And I like that, again, like, I like that nobody has to, to test in because I know Joe, you know, if, if we think of, Oh, I thought you were oh, going to no, say, no, Joe's no, not a very good test Joe, taker. Joe wouldn't be able to thought. make it. <laughs> <laughs> People like Joe would be left out right. in the cold. Left in the cold. <laughs> Thanks, um, Kelly. <laughs> sorry, Joe. Yeah. We, we both know oh, yep. and I both had who is a struggling reader, a struggling writer, but 
in third grade came into class to me and said, Hey, I changed the oil and brakes on my dad's truck with him the other day. Like, Oh my hey, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Might not be the greatest reader and writer. And, and those are things we need to focus on, but can build you and has the mindset to be able to build you what you yeah. need. He, yeah. He, he would have the kids in class. We, we would have a spark time and it was our innovation time and the kids could work on whatever they wanted. He wanted to make YouTube videos to show kids how to change uh, brake. No, not brakes. I'm sorry. How to change um, flat tires, how to take a that chain. That is so off. cool. He had the kids, he had the straight A kids. Like, cause we, we brought in a bike, we brought in tools. Like he had his own little, and he was oh doing things. Gosh. So the kids would be like, and we're like, what do you want to do? Can I, can I help? Can I, so. I love that. Cause there's so many different forms of, of achievement and intelligence and, and all of those things. And I think when we just, I mean, it's a big reason why we say like, you know, change making, not test making, test taking is because we're leaving out all who who are brilliant and, and it just completely flying under the radar. We had like teaching lessons on things. He was in front of the classroom you know, teaching the class, whatever. And, and the best part, I, I will never forget, hopefully ever. Um, he asked what a straight A student and I need a wrench <laughs> gave him a screwdriver straight A's and, you know, really good athlete, the whole nine kickball right. King. That's not a wrench. Don't you know what a wrench is and, know your tools. <laughs> and not for anything. I don't know if he would have ever felt success in the classroom. Right. If they weren't doing stuff like that. Right. So just I think to, it's key. Yeah, just to have him feel success and not hate coming to school. Yep. Um, and you know, I know school's not for everyone. And when you, I'm going to say it, when you do school the wrong way, you turn off so many more than you yeah. could turn on. Yeah. yeah, I'll say this one last thing: is we we had um, a school. I won't name it just for confidential, but it was actually an alternative school that was running Project Invent, and it was the the teachers that wanted to run it were like we just want something that makes them want to show up because we can't have, they're not showing up. And they saw such a significant increase in attendance on the students that engaged with Project Invent because it gave them purpose. It was a project they were excited to come to school for. And it was school and it it was learning delivered to them in a new way that they didn't even realize (laughs) was growing their skills and helping them in other classes. So I think that that is key. And so I would say out there, I think doing something like Project Invent or, or something along the lines of that is a great way to engage your students that that actually aren't great test takers or great at all of all of the traditional academic things. When you're talking about that, I'm thinking about Joe Timeless Learning. Right. I don't know if you've you've ever read that book, Kelly. It's uh I haven't read it now. It's, it's called Timeless Learning. It's by uh, Pam Moran, um, Ira Sokol and Chad Ratliff. And it's just, they were, Pam was the superintendent in Albemarle County, Virginia. And they just did so many things like that. They brought a professional style recording studio in so kids could make beats and, you know, perform. And they, I I think Pam's one crowning achievement was kids said, we want to build tree houses in the lunchroom so we can sit up in the tree houses. And her thing is, you know, a big design thinking wasn't yes, but it was yes. And, and that's what they did. They built tree houses. So kids could sit in the tree houses in the lunchroom. And, you know, they had kids working with circular saws and hand tools and chop saws. And I love it. it. Yeah. So yeah, that would have been an interesting conversation with the lawyer, with the (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, and we <laughs> But you know what? We 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 had a little girl who wanted to do something. I forget I forget what it was because now she's and we we hooked her up with the principal. We we're like, "Look, if if you want this to happen, then this is you know, like now she's trying to get class pets and and for everyone for next year so we sent her to the we sent her to the nurse first and then the nurse sent her back with some ideas so then they're researching but that's life right like pam had to do all real world that's advocacy that's research i mean it's it's everything it's so important what a like great experience for her to learn how do i make change or how do i make the change i want to see but it goes back to right empowering students like allow them to see I want this. Well, it's okay yeah. to want, but what are you going to do for it? Yep. Um, and what, what information will... do you not have? Yeah. And, totally. and, that, and that'll show, I guess, how bad you want it. What are you yeah. willing to work for? Totally. All great life lessons. And, and totally. again, like you said, with the alternative school, you know, like it was real world. You, you were learning for the real world, right? Like it wasn't, it was an authentic yeah. real world audience that yeah. you were learning for. It wasn't just writing something for your teacher. Or taking right. the test for your teacher. And that that makes a lot of the difference too. Totally. Yeah. Hey, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. This is fun. I, yeah. I, I wish I could talk to you guys all the time. <laughs> hey, I wish I taught high school. Now. Are welcome back anytime. Like if you want to, you know, promote something and come on and, and, you know, talk about what's coming up, maybe, you know, to promote when the next. Uh, Pathfinders. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd be great. Maybe we'll, we'll chat about that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And that way, and and I think really just um, going to our website right now is the best way to kind of explore because we have a ton of free resources on there, different things that come up, signing up for our newsletter just so that when things do happen, um, you get alerted. Was the news, was that what you were talking about, the notifications? Yeah, whenever we, yeah, that way, whenever Mm -hmm. we open up registration for the winter pathfinders, or if we launch any new curriculum or resources, we always are doing like one off workshops and webinars. I mean, we're all we're busy. So we I think that'd be the best way to like loop in or elementary uh, level. Yes, um, it's in the horizon. It's a dream. (laughs) It's a dream. As we grow, it is on the radar. That's sweet. Again, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for, you know, just the work that you're doing. It's amazing. And I think everybody and everybody's going to benefit from it. Students, teachers, and like globally. Well, thank you guys. Well, have a good rest of your time. Teacher nerds, teacher nerds, knocking on your door. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try. Don't be shy. There's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teacher nerds. I'm talking to We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. When you subscribe, be sure to give us a review and tell a friend. Visit us at teachernerds.com. Follow us on Twitter at teachernerds, on Instagram at teachernerdspodcast, or email us, teachernerds at gmail.com. And remember, we're nerds with a Z. Most importantly, thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds.